This is Reset. I'm Esther Yunji Kang in for Sasha Ann Simons. The latest installment of WBEZ's Curious City takes a look at Chicago's infamous Dojo Wars. The scene is 1960s Chicago, and the world of martial arts is getting ready for a major shakeup. Across America, martial arts such as karate, judo, and jiu-jitsu were growing in popularity, but many Black and Hispanic aspiring students were not allowed to train. One man, John Kean, would help change this. Racial justice, international karate tournaments, reinvented identities, and somehow a money heist are part of Kean's story, which is the focus of a documentary coming this summer. We are joined now by Curious City senior producer Joe Dessau. Welcome, Joe. Hi, Esther. Joe, you know, paint uh, the picture for us of what martial arts was like in Chicago around the early to, to mid-60s. Sure. Well, uh, martial arts, in particular karate, I should say, because that's kind of the focus of our story and, and John Kean, um, was becoming better known in the U.S., uh, but there was still a lot of mystery around it, uh, karate in particular. Some of the other martial arts had, had grown in popularity before then. And when it came to training people, there was just a strong opposition from the martial arts community as well as locally from police uh, about against training Latinos and, and black students. Um, and it seemed especially true when teaching black students. So like opponents would claim that they were concerned over, quote unquote, teaching criminals and gangbangers, mm -hmm. which was just poorly coded language for don't teach right. black people, don't teach Latinos. Right. Um, and so when this guy, John Kean rolls around, he doesn't subscribe to that mentality, and he is just this. John is this Irish American kid from the South Side of Chicago, mostly white neighborhood. And in high school, he started taking like boxing lessons for, at a gym where race didn't matter. So when he was getting involved in fighting and learning to, you know, learning defensive arts, he didn't share the same mindset that you know was going was prevalent both in Chicago <laughs> at, yeah. the, at the time and, and in martial arts in particular. And so when everyone was telling him to not train black students, he just said, "Why not?" Mm. and became just a real advocate for equality for as far as black and Latino uh, folks are concerned, and, and women too. Yeah, you really dug deep into John Kean's life and, and the Dojo Wars. But first of all, you know, how did you find out about this story? <laughs> and it's so random. And and why did you want to look into it for Curious City? Yeah, well, Curious City is, you know, uh, we get our questions from listeners. And somebody had seen a video that was about the, quote unquote, infamous Dojo Wars of Chicago. What was it? When did it happen? How did it happen? And so I started digging into it. And the more I dug into tracking down who was involved, what were these wars, like what did a war entail? Um, I kept coming back to one person who is kind of at the intersection knowledge-base-wise of all of this, and it's it's uh, Floyd Webb, mm -hmm. who, you know, you'll also be talking to in just a sec, but he, because um, everybody who was involved back then who has been alive over the past 20 years has, or not, I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of those folks have talked to to Floyd, who's been on this quest, and I don't want to sort of ruin your setup for it, no, but no, no. yeah, but he's he's a local documentarian, and he's been working on this for the better part of fifteen plus years. Just you know, one 
interesting thread after another that he's been pulling together. And so, again, the more that I looked into it, the more I just kept getting led back to Floyd. And so I connected with Floyd initially. Yeah, we're still working on getting him on the phone. Um, You know, it's so interesting. Floyd's story is so interesting. And how, what was that like working uh, with with him? I mean, he's he's got this documentary coming out. So tell us about him. Uh, So Floyd is... Jeez. <laughs> he, grew, he grew up in the 1950s, 1960s around Chicago and or in Chicago. And he grew up at the Harold Ickes projects mm. on, the, on the south side. And when he was about 10 years old, he's this kid. He got picked on a lot at school and he um, he wanted to learn how to defend himself. Mm. He, he had a he was a self-described nerd. He had a stutter, and he just got picked on a lot. And he was attracted to martial arts. He saw it in film. He saw it in TV. And at the same time, he's about 10 years old. He's working in Chinatown with a bunch of his buddies. And some guy with red hair is coming around the neighborhood handing out flyers for this tournament mm-hmm. that turns out to be this world karate tournament. And the guy is John Keehan, the person who we focused on for this story Later, he and his friends go to this tournament. They are just, you know, four, five, ten-year-olds yeah. wandering around this pretty big crowd going from uh, – they have you know a bunch of different mats laid out, and they would kind of roam around it. And some guy comes up, and he's like – and it's John Keene. He's like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> you need to – you know, I, I want to give you front row seats. So he brings them to – puts them down in the front row, and they, you know, witness their first – full, just outrageous mm. live-action karate, or I should say martial arts tournament. So we're talking about John Keehan um, and, and and also Floyd, but let's hear a little bit of John Keehan in a 1964 interview with CBS at his Imperial Academy of Fighting Arts. In the same techniques you use in uh, street fighting if someone comes after you? Yes, well, they're very similar, but the uh, self-defense forms are actually made specifically for uh, street fighting and things like that. This is more of a sport aspect, but it could be used in the street. So, Joe, tell me, how does the street fighting factor uh, into John's style of martial arts? Sure. So John Keehan, um, in in order to prove their mettle, he would have his advanced students, people who were training to become brown and black belt students, uh, go and, like, first he would have an initiation process where one student would take on upwards of four of his fellow students in a (laughs) no-holds-barred brawl. One person coming at them after another uh, in a dimly dimly lit room, and they would just go at it full force. And that was one part of the process. The other part of the process was uh, he would go out to bars with some of his students, and he would, unbeknownst to them, plan on starting a bar fight. So he would walk past some of the story I was told was he would walk past just a random person at the bar knock the bear out of their hands, and then wow. turn around to one of his students and say, would you do that for? Wow. And, and if the person was there, if he had the person that they were going to fight had one buddy, two buddies, four buddies, he'd have to fight them all. 
Wow. Wow. I just can't even <laughs> fathom what, what else is going on over there. Um, uh, so uh, we want to talk a little bit about his persona. He, sure. he, he had a different persona, right? It was John Kean, that's his name, but he was also Count Dante. Tell us right. about Count Dante. <laughs> so around 1966, uh, John starts to develop this alias. Mm. And uh, I, I spoke with his first wife, this woman, Pat Harpold, who she has a story of her own that is pretty outrageous in, in, a, in, a, in all the great kind of ways you would, mm-hmm. you would want one to be. But um, she tells me that he, he starts making up this story about how, because he wanted to be something more than he was, than just some, you know, well-respected martial artist in the city. He wanted to be known as, as almost like a... He wanted celebrity. Mm. And so he made up this story about how he came from Spanish royalty. He was kidnapped as a child in Spain, <laughs> brought to the U.S., somehow miraculously ends up on the the doorsteps of this this Irish Catholic family on the south side of Chicago and only finds out about it later. And mm-hmm. so she tells me that, you know, in his 20s, he starts— while while they're married, he's walking around the house in like a velvet robe, and um, later he goes on to start wearing a cape and spandex and colorful clothes and and a a gold cane with a lion's head on the end of it, and begins to call himself Count Dante, and drives around in a Cadillac with a supposed family crest that he had painted on the side, and he like part of it was to be this larger than life. Um, character, but another part of it, he would use that to instigate fights with people, which again goes to the brutality right, right. that he had. This is Reset. I'm Esther Yunji Kang, and for Sasha Ann Simons, Chicago's infamous dojo wars took place during the 1960s and 70s between major karate studios in the city with one man at the center, John Kean. We are discussing the dojo wars and Kean's life with WBEZ's Joe Dussault. Uh, Joe, tell me about the dojo wars. What happened? How did that escalate? Sure. Well, so dojo wars are things that have, is, is something that has been around for for a long time. I mean, uh, Floyd kind of went into the full history with me on it, but uh, and it, so it didn't begin or end with John Keane by any stretch. But mm-hmm. in Chicago, he was certainly at the center of a lot of these "quote unquote" wars that were going on at the time. And what a dojo war, "quote unquote" dojo, dojo war would be, would be a spat between one dojo and another. It could be uh, over insulting somebody's sensei, their teacher. Mm. It could be over insulting a, you know, a, a student there. It could be over romantic entanglements just, <laughs> or stealing students. There were just things like that, seemingly petty stuff that would evolve into fights between full fights, like full, you know, one student would go over and, and to another dojo and, and challenge their sensei to a fight and they would go at it full force. And there's there's one story that we talk about at the beginning of the podcast where uh, John Kean and one of his buddies at the time went and uh, they it was supposedly over money that they were owed, but they went in the dead of the night and put dynamite blasting caps on the windows of the dojo, which is like wow. this is the extreme end of it. And this wow. is one of the reasons why he became an outcast in the community. But their attempt that was not to blow up the dojo. It was to just, quote unquote, just blow out the windows. But they they went to do that. And they failed miserably. Wow. They never went off. The cops busted them. 
Um, and it was kind of just like a silly, ridiculous incident that also earned them a lot of a lot of ire from the community. You know, we are joined now uh, by historian and filmmaker Floyd Webb, uh, who Joe mentioned uh, at the top of this. Um, welcome, Floyd. Hi, how are you today? Today, what's today? <laughs> Afternoon. I'm sorry, I'm in California. I can't take. No worries, no worries. Floyd, you met John Kean, correct? Yeah. How did that come about? He had red hair when I, huh? Oh, he had gray hair. Red hair. No, he had oh. red hair when I met him. He had red hair, little, little kind of like Robin Hood go, goatee. He wasn't the person I met five years later. You know, um, it was really interesting because. Um, um, you know, I didn't know who this guy was. I didn't know anything about him, you know, but so what I came to find, find out uh, after we met him and we went to the tournament, you know, we, uh, uh, I went to the Coliseum, which was on like 15th and uh, 15th and Wabash. You know, this, it was a big sports stadium that hosted the uh, uh, Chicago Blackhawks in the first uh, first iteration of the Chicago Bulls and the wrestling was there. So it was like, a, you know, so this was a main uh, I mean, the entertainment, uh, uh, athletic entertainment center, right? And that's where we saw him, you know. But the thing I came to find out is that years before Bruce died, and in this, in this film he made in 1972, where me and opened his dojo to black and Hispanic people in a way that nobody else would, right? Mm. And this, and 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 he kind of uh, created this first generation, you know, championship. Karate fighters, you know, they they uh, they dominated from like 1961 until uh, uh, 66, when they changed all the rules regarding competition. You know, it, Floyd. Because in the beginning, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So so you know, you are now making a documentary about his life, and just what can people expect to see in that film? Oh, so <laughs> strange! This you can't imagine. I mean, fiction. <laughs> I mean, like reality that's that that you can't make up. You know, he was, uh, you know, I found out things like um, the reason he changed his name to Count Dante was because he was into sort of an Aleister Crawley type of uh, mysticism and the occult. But mm. these, but the guys here in Chicago had, uh, had actually drawn Aleister Crawley out because he was because he was he was a neo-Nazi. I mean, he wasn't a neo-Nazi. He was an actual Nazi sympathizer. Wow. And these guys created a form of, uh, of like the occult that combined. Um, uh, that combined Haitian voodoo, and that, that's one of the strange things. And he became, you know, became a, a, a voodoo priest. Wow! Consecrated, wow. Uh, you know, consecrated in Hyde Park at a place called the called the uh, uh, the Church of the Invisible Sciences. Right? Wow. And I got that information from somebody who's alive, um, Michael Michael Ber- uh, Michael Bertio. We're gonna have to. Run a, uh, we're going to have to leave it there. You know, Joe, uh, what, do, what do you think um, about why this story isn't well known in the city? He just, I think he just came about at a time when, you know, karate was only becoming known. And mm-hmm. he was such a, a disliked figure who by the time karate starts to become more mainstream, he had already fallen out of favor. Mm-hmm. He had already he'd committed an act that, that just got him outcast from the community and so that I, I would imagine that's why yeah you can read about that act and that was curious city serious uh senior producer joe Dassault, alongside historian and filmmaker floyd webb thank you both you can listen to the full curious city episode and read the story too over at wbez.org